0: almost at the end of August, Wednesday, August 30th. Welcome back to the Damon Bruce show here on the Plus. It is wonderful to have you. I'm wearing headphones, that means Larry Krueger's about to join us and we got an awful lot of football to talk about. 49ers football, rosters coming into focus, obviously. The residue of Trey Lance and the incoming news that Nick Bosa is about to be signed. That better be the news that's incoming. We'll get to all that with Larry in just a second. We might even talk a little baseball because a little baseball was earned. A little topic time last night. Cobb taking a no-no. As far as it can go before giving it up with eight and two thirds, that's always going to sting, but wow, 130 pitches. I didn't even think that was possible anymore. Uh, Before we get to Larry, let me just start by thanking today's and every day's sponsors. My man, Ike at Ike sandwiches, serving up delicious sandwiches. Go ahead and download that rewards app. You earn sandwiches for eating at Ike's. It's a pretty good deal. Check out the, Wagyu pastrami sandwich that he's got right now, the Florin, which is a vegetarian sandwich. I have actually ordered more than once, and that's saying something, because the word vegetarian and I rarely go together if ever uh thanks so much to our friends at uncle boys we want you to go ahead and get a burger in the inner richmond fourth in balboa get yourself to uncle boys the next time you're looking for a burger little lumpia little onion ring i recommend all three and i certainly recommend at night you wash it all down with a little little blackened whiskey for your nightcap. I got to get Larry Kruger a bottle of blackened before it's all said and done. He deserves some blackened whiskey in his life. And let me tell you, if you are interested in playing around this coming football season, you're going to want some advice where to place those bets. My man, Stefan has got your advice lined up at bottomlinebets.com. Bottom line is they win three picks a day, guaranteed to uh, be there for your consistency consideration this is a preeminent handicapper in las vegas find out for yourself daily weekly monthly subscriptions available and if you're looking for a place to place those bets because you live in a state that hasn't allowed gambling yet well have i got the spot for you Check out mybookie.ag. Use promo code Damon. All news customers, you get 50% off deposit matching up to $1,000 plus a $10 casino chip. Mybookie.ag. Use promo code Damon. When you indeed sign up. So there we go. A whole bunch a plus business is done, which means we can get to the business of saying hello to the one and only Larry Kruger, who we welcome in with a sip of the day. Larry, congratulations. You get the sip of the day on your watch. How are you doing? Great. Doing great. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll do my own poll. There you go. There it is. A little coffee, little water. It's hotter out there in the East Bay where you are. So Ooh, stay 97 cool.
1: today, 97.
0: <laughs> No, thank you. No, thank you very much. I love the natural air conditioning that is San Francisco. Larry, an awful lot has happened around the 49ers since the last time you and I talked. And even though Trey Lance remains a headliner, there is a bigger issue. And that's where I want to start our conversation today. Nick Bosa and the 49ers have clearly been at an impasse. I mean, there's no other way to frame it or pretend that there isn't something going here other than, a hurdle which the negotiation has not cleared, and basically a hurdle for a player of Nick Bosa's caliber comes down to one of three, let's call them milestone markers, because he's looking to set the new value at his position. He's looking to become the highest paid defensive player in football history, and there's There's basically three different ways to go about doing that, right? You can have the largest annual average value. You can have the largest total deal with a whole bunch of the math being a little fuzzy numbers at the end of your career, but you get to boast that I've got the largest deal ever or the most guaranteed dollars in a deal for a defender. Which do you think is the hill that is the hardest for this negotiation to climb over? The guaranteed dollars. Uh, because uh, you know there's there's a chance that Nick
1: Bosa wants, you know, <clears throat> you know, I think the 40 the record would be what 110 or something like that, but he may want well north of that. Um, the talk is, the latest that I've heard is that uh, they both sides feel they'll get a deal done in the next couple of days, which is a good a good thing. It will be record money in AAV. It'll be record money in guarantees. And then now, the only thing is, you know, how far of a record will it be? Will it be 110 million guaranteed? Will it be 100 million guaranteed? Will it be 130 million guaranteed? Will the whole thing be guaranteed? Um, I don't know. That that part is, you know, that's that's the that's what this negotiation I really think is about.
0: Do you believe in any way, shape or form that there was an attempted trade of Nick Bosa, that they got to a negotiating point? They backed away and said, all right, let's quietly go about searching for a a team that might be very interested. I I assume that there would be a lot of teams interested in a a player like Nick Bosa. Do you think that conversation actually ever came out? I'm sure you saw what there was a, a Reddit post. I mean, by the way, this is a terrible way to start any question, but. Larry, I saw on the internet that the 49ers were were thinking about trading Nick Bosey. Do you put any value in that?
1: Well, I mean, I think they had to consider their options. I think you would be negligent if they didn't at least, you know, dip their toe in the water and find out what was out there. But at the end of the day, you know, they badly need what he does. Uh, They're very thin at defensive end. Even if they have him, they're very thin at defensive end. So... Um, I don't know what you would trade him for. You know, I mean, I would imagine Miami probably was interested, but I would, I would have wanted Christian Wilkins, um, you know, right out of the rip, you know, to start, and and probably something significantly more than that. Well, and here's Maybe the thing: Jalen no, Phillips. I mean, a no team
0: is trading for Nick Bosa and giving up assets that they think, you know, would would prevent them from winning now. Because if you're trading for Nick Bosa, you're in win right now mode.
1: Yeah, but I mean the, the, the you're not getting a guy who's the second best player in the game or the third best player in the entire game um without giving up huge compensation. So, you know, I mean, yeah, you in an ideal world, yeah, why would you trade for Bosa and trade uh, players that you have on the roster, but you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, the 49ers don't have to give him to you. There's a bunch of teams in football that all would like to have him. So, you know you got to make something you got to make an attractive offer so it's not really about what you want it's about what makes the deal go but i just don't think it's a, i think it's a non-starter across the board um, how many teams have the cap room to accommodate that kind of a deal how many teams have the assets to send back to the 49ers to satisfy them in a trade it just it, it to me the trade was never likely
0: you know, I, I, I'm guessing it would be a a new record had they actually decided. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna trade Nick Bosa. Dealing with him is cost prohibitive, <laughs> and and the 49ers would have become what the first team in the history of football to to trade two top three picks in about three days from each other. That would have been a bad look.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the Niners have you know need the games to start because they're having a rough uh, post preseason period here. Uh, they're getting raked over the coals nationally for the Trey Lance trade. It's funny how that works, too. Last week, Trey Lance was like, you know, this guy can't play. He's broken. Right. He was their this- problem, a massive yeah. problem. <laughs> this this week, it's like, you know, oh, my God, they did him wrong. And, you know, good way to go, Trey. And he'll be awesome elsewhere. So we'll see. We'll see.
0: Uh, you predicted the Trey Lance trade. Did you think that the fourth rounder was going to be a a reality? When I heard mid-rounder, I thought, all right, well, that's a really nice way to couch a fifth rounder. But here comes Jerry Jones, who, you know, like Jerry does, he acted apparently very independently of this. Dak didn't find out until it was actually over and done with. And there is, to me, this whole thing is fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating from the entire you you walk around the circumference, the entirety of the entire trade, the Trey Lance era, whatever you want to call it. It's fascinating from every angle, including the fact that the only GM interested and the only GM that really overpaid for Trey Lance is someone that basically the world of football acknowledges as an out of touch, holding his own franchise back GM like Jerry Jones. Yeah. I mean, it's also really interesting to me that, um,
1: you know, a lot of people think that Kyle Shanahan didn't want Trey Lance, and now Mike McCarthy's owner trades for Trey Lance, and I guess without his approval. So, um, you know, so it's like, is Trey really going to a better situation? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to a better situation or not. It is interesting how he needs to play. He needs to play. They trade him to Dallas. He's still not going to play. Um, so I would even
0: argue he's going to play less because Cooper rush is about established a second quarterback as you'll find in football. There was a point when he was filling in for Dak last year, the conversation in in the Dallas Metroplex area actually became like, are the Cowboys better with Cooper rush? I mean, that, that happened. He's five and one, he's five and one
1: as a backup, uh, you know, when he gets in there. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the story's going to be for Trey, but, um, he needed a fresh start. The 49ers, Felt like they needed to move on. I'm not really sure why. Um, did they think it was a distraction? Was it about their cap? Was it about uh, Brandon Allen? I think it
0: was about a fourth rounder. I mean, I just think they heard a number that they didn't think that they were going to hear. So they're like, yeah, let's let's do that.
1: I guess. I guess. I mean, a, you know, a fourth round pick is really moving the dial. Who was last year's fourth round pick? Good question. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like it's one of those things where – um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I personally believe that the 49ers are keenly aware of all the dialogue and how ugly it had gotten around the quarterbacks, and they just wanted it to go away. And so this was a way to make it
0: go away. Who's responsible for that ugly dialogue?
1: Um, People that feel like they know more about, um, you know, who can play and who can't play and who's good and who's not good than football people, fans, media, um, people who, who just were just convinced that Trey Lance was the guy. I mean, obviously the Niners were convinced Trey Lance was the guy more than anybody, but um, the fans, you know, were still convinced because they never saw him fail. You know, they just, and, and when I say they never saw him fail, they did see him fail. They just didn't see him fail dramatically. I mean, they didn't score hardly any points right. when and he, he was quarterbacking.
0: He, he failed with reasons, right? The the rain in Chicago, uh, the, yeah, just the 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 right game plan wasn't inserted for him. Too many runs, like there, they, everything came with excuses.
1: Yeah, there were a lot of. I mean, the the bottom line is he was raw, and um, I don't think they had any. I don't think the 49ers had any inkling of how raw he was, and so you know any it's the same thing the same problem the Warriors had i mean you you there's a reason the bad teams pick up top and the good teams pick on the bottom and then when the good teams suddenly get the top pick you got to go for guys who are ready to go and they went for a guy that wasn't ready to go and then seemed shocked when they realized he wasn't ready to go um and and then i just think that something happened in this offseason where jed probably went to them and said hey you know what quarterback excuses, quarterback development, it, none of these are going to be acceptable excuses for you guys for not winning the Super Bowl. So do whatever you got to do. And I think, I think um, that impetus or that push you know, sped up their timeline and forced them to go with the, the quarterback that's ready to win right now and that's clearly Brock Purdy.
0: So like I said, it's fascinating from no matter how you look at it. Where where he was, the choice that was made, the failure of the development. There's a lot of people wearing the the scarlet red letter of you screwed up when it comes to Trey Lance, but no one more so than Kyle Shanahan, who we all said he's finally got a chance to pick the quarterback that he envisions his career being tied to like he finally gets the bite at the apple that he has been so desirous of as a head coach and he's so hard in particular with his quarterbacks so he has you know the ultimate opposite choice here What it could have been mac jones coming from alabama with all that sec snaps and experience or this raw bit of clay that was trey lance and Do you think Kyle got talked in to Trey Lance? Did he fool himself on Trey? Either way, he picked in correctly. Who do you think is most responsible for Kyle making that pick? Is it Kyle himself? It damn well better be. How about that? I mean, if Kyle didn't solely make that decision, what a coward. Well, there's other
1: forces at work. I'm sure the owner has his opinion. The general manager has his opinion. The the Niners probably to some degree listen to their – to their fans, uh, you know, I think the Niners have lacked quarterback conviction for years, going back to Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith uh, going back to Drucken Miller and Jake Plummer. Um, I mean, they going back even further than that. I think they've, I think they've lacked, um, you know, vision and clarity and, and uh, you know, a, a decide. I, I think they've just, they picked wrong, and they just ha- They've analyzed it wrong. They haven't had a conviction. They didn't have a conviction on Aaron Rodgers, so they went with their- Alex Smith. They didn't have a conviction on Mac Jones, so they went with Trey Lance. I think at the end of the day, um, I think they wanted somebody who was dynamic, and um, so it came down to Fields, Lance, and and Jones. And then I think character wise, I think they liked Trey's character more than Jones's. I think they were nervous about the history of Ohio State quarterbacks and how, you know, when you think of uh, Justin Fields, you know, he had four, four flat speed, but he took a ton of sacks. So it's like, you know, there's a chance that maybe he wasn't didn't really see it and he wasn't processing fast enough. So they just I think they just ultimately, it was a decision between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. And they fell in love with Trey Lance, um, the story and Trey Lance's character and who he was as a person and his intellect, and they made the wrong call. Not that Mac Jones was the right call, but um, you know they, in a, I think they misgauged how much time they had to develop this quarterback and quarterback and how much time it, it was going to take to develop him. Um, And I think they just misgaged it. And then once they once and I don't think they were ever at the end of the day, they were never really committed to Trey Lance. I don't buy that. They were committed to the idea of Trey Lance, which is a quarterback on a rookie deal who's dynamic athletically, who can extend plays with his legs. And guess what? They wound up with that exact player uh, in Brock Purdy, and he checked all the boxes. He's dynamic. He's dynamic. He can make, he can make uh, you know, late in the down throws. He's got escapability. He's ready to play, and he's on a rookie deal. And once Brock checked all their boxes, it was just a matter of time. Trey was moving on.
0: So let's say you know, we're living in the Marvel Universe multiple timeline, and we can go back in time, and instead of drafting Trey Lance, the 49ers drafted another player. Let's say that player was Jamar Chase. Does that mean Jimmy Garoppolo is still this team's quarterback at this point in time? Like who would you have wanted other than, you know, the the clear mistake that Trey Lance became? They they had a premium pick and it, they you know, they squandered it.
1: Well, okay. So there you know, people for, always tend to forget all the risk when you know when they're looking at things, you know, hindsight's 2020. 20. I've heard so many people go, they should have picked Micah Parsons. Okay, it's easy to say now. Micah Parsons in that draft should have gone top five, and the only reason he fell was because he had a really ugly, hazing uh, incident that you can Google and research um, at Penn State that, um, that obviously didn't, you know, made people question his character. So, that's why he fell down in the draft. Now, maybe it was an isolated deal, and maybe he's not a bad guy, but there were a lot of people going into that draft that weren't
0: sure. Um, Jamar Chase... And and, and leave it to the Cowboys to be like, yeah, we don't even give a shit. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) I mean, Jamar Chase, you know, I think was the special player, uh, but do you trade up and give up those kinds of assets for a wide receiver? You know, probably not. So...
0: I mean, you You know, know, Kanae Sewell would have been uh, uh, maybe the choice. Um, You know, Patrick Sertan could have been a choice. Um, Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you want to talk about disappointments, right? Kyle Pitts hasn't done much in his career yet. He's had some injuries. I mean,
1: Jamar Chase was, to me, the slam dunk. I love Jamar Chase going into that draft. I thought he was the, the best wide receiver I'd seen in the SEC in years. Um, he was the best. He was the dominant player on their national championship team. He was a sophomore that year, so you know I I had Jamar Chase penciled in, but you know what they had they at that point they were going quarterback. Personally, if you ask me what I think they were thinking, I think they were thinking that you know at that point it was still kind of like unknown who was going where. I think they like Kyle, uh, like Zach Wilson. I really do. Um, I did interviews with Steve Young going into that draft. Steve knew Zach. Zach wanted to be a Niners. Steve knew knows Shanahan. He felt like Zach, like Zach was the guy that Shanahan wanted, but he went two in front of them, and and to this moment, he's considered a bust as well.
0: So yeah, no, it's uh, they're, they're it. Look, it's tough to look at and, you know, we've already, we've played one week of USC football and Caleb Williams, obviously having won a Heisman Trophy has a ton of attention on him and he looks spectacular. I mean, he really does. He's very, very special. You can see it. He could win a second Heisman. Um, That means nothing to the NFL. You know, I've already got people saying there is guaranteed he is going to be the most can't miss quarterbacking prospect. His comp is Patrick Mahomes, write it down right now. There's a very good chance that the kid you're watching play quarterback at USC will get to the NFL and not be able to even function on the field. It happens all the time. And this is something that I keep saying and I get portrayed as, you know, some Debbie downer, nothing proves that you can play in the NFL until you're playing in the NFL. And that works both ways. It takes great prospects and reduces them to, you don't belong here. And also, and I don't know how this happens, but it does all the time overlooked prospects, finally step into the NFL, and they're like, hey, you know what? I do belong here. I'm going to be a better pro player than I was even a college player, and that is the big bet that they've made on Brock Purdy.
1: And Brock Purdy's, you know, rewarded them by playing incredible football. Yeah, I mean, everybody's so convinced that Caleb Williams is the guy, and I like Caleb Williams, don't get me wrong. I mean, 42 touchdowns, five picks. But we don't Um, know. That's a thing. But he I'll tell you mean, who I think is really, really. With certainty. I like Michael Penix um, from UW. dub I mean, who's not I mean, even projected to go in the first round. From Indiana.
0: Who's that? Penix transferred from IU. Yeah,
1: that's right. that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. That's right. Penix.
0: But Penix has got one of the
1: greatest arms I've ever seen. Um, you know, I watched them last year and I'm one of the windiest nights i think i could ever remember i mean they showed the goalpost they were swaying and he was just throwing rockets right cutting right through the wind. So Penix has got a special arm. He's got the Mahomes arm.
0: Yeah, he's he's a difference maker too. Because I mean, I, diving for the pylon in Bloomington to beat Penn State, like the guy, the guy is a little bit of a one man army. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he can become a a stalking horse in what feels like after week zero is wrapped up. We already got Caleb Williams sitting you know, pole position for Heisman once again. But a lot of college football remains out there, to say the least. Larry Kruger, it is good to have you. I'm going to ask you a big, broad question. You answer it however you want. I'm not going to lead the witness. And then we'll come back around to how we're applying it to what we're talking about right now. But if I asked you, please, Larry, would you define what you think a quarterback whisperer is and is Kyle Shanahan matching up to what your definition of quarter whisperer is. Uh, Do you think Kyle Shanahan's a quarterback whisperer? Yes or no?
1: Well, I mean, I mean that, that he can pick quarterbacks or he can coach them because I I personally, you know, don't think that he's the greatest quarterback coach. I think his greatest thing is that he's got an offense that works and he can produce points. um, And he, you know, his offense can score. He's so, a
0: mismatch he, whisperer.
1: That's what he is. He's a he's a he's a, seems like a nice guy, but it, at the end of the day, I think he's um he's cutthroat. He's a great play caller who can find and put a defender in conflict and go at him and attack him and I think that's his strength. As far as picking quarterbacks, no, I don't think that's his thing and as far as coaching up super raw quarterbacks, I don't think that's his thing either. I think, I think he's more about his greatness is in play calling, uh, you know, the play-action fusion game, um, you know,
0: just I think you play sequencing. That's what he's truly great at. I think they're, you know, like my definition of quarterback whisperer, I have to give two answers. There's the guy who takes the unrealized ball of clay and turns them into a functioning quarterback and then there is the guy who takes that functioning quarterback and polishes them up to, okay, you are really getting good at this. You know, maybe the word elite isn't applied to you, but you are pro bowl consideration type of level of quarterback. And I think that is where Kyle comes in. He can't take the, I don't know if he can play and bring him all the way to player, but he can take the guy who is a player and turn them into the best version of the player they can be and you want to talk about fascinating experiments Jimmy Garoppolo with the Raiders this year to me is going to be as interesting a 49ers story as you can attach to the 49ers in another NFL team's locker room like w- w- which way would you bet Jimmy has a better year without Shanahan in his ear or Jimmy regresses massively and you're talking about you know Aiden O'Connell by week 8 in Las Vegas
1: I think I think he's going to play well because he's he's now at that part in his in point in his career where he's starting to understand that negative plays, eliminating negative plays, is as important as creating, you know, um, positive plays. So you know the one thing that Garoppolo's never understood that Brady gets and Russell gets and Breeze got and Rogers gets is that you're not going there's you know 65 snaps in a game. You're not going to win all 65. You know, Jimmy's gone out there and just like, I'm going to try to win all 65. And sometimes you got to throw it away. Sometimes you got to throw it away and go to the next down. I think he finally conquered that mountain last year. So I think he'll play efficient football. He's got some good weapons. But ultimately, I think he's going to get, you know, he he's a tough guy who likes to stand in against the rush. He doesn't have a great line um and i think he'll wind up getting hurt my guess is in the first half of the season in the whole second half of the year will be uh you know the rookie from purdue and i think the rookie from purdue is going to outplay him
0: uh if you are in here for the very first time welcome if you are a damon bruce show plus or die hard welcome back please hit subscribe hit notify And if Larry brought you here today and we have a a really good number of people in the room right now, Larry, I'm assuming a lot of them followed you over here. Uh, go ahead and give us a subscribe and you won't miss a thing that Larry and I will be doing together this football season. And we're going to be doing quite a bit together once football season gets rolling here, talking to some out of town media members, some coaches along the way, and really getting to know not just the Niners, but who the Niners are going to be playing on a week to week basis. And have you already started thinking a little bit about this Pittsburgh game, Larry? What, what, what kind of chances do you got to, how about this? I'm going to start the year getting the 49ers right on. You might lose this game alert. I think this Pittsburgh game is going to be a little bit of a headache for the 49ers.
1: Well, I mean, on paper, the, the Steelers are always tough to beat. Week 1 at home under Mike Tomlin. I think they're the the numbers show it. I think they're like 8 and 1 or something like that in the last 9 home games in week 1. Um they're at Heinz Field, but this one favors the Niners. Uh the Niners should win this game. I mean, Either the Steelers will go with Dan Moore at left tackle or the rookie Broderick Jones going up against Nick Bosa. That's advantage Niners, even though Bosa may be on a snap hope, count. Right? Better
0: yeah. be Nick Bosa.
1: <laughs> but then there's also the Niner receivers, I think, right now, are playing, you know, Debo Ayuk or special. And Joey Porter Jr.'s in his first game. Patrick Peterson's long in the tooth. Chandon Sullivan is their nickelback. I think the Niners receivers will party against uh, the Steeler corners. So I think it's an advantage for the 49ers. I know a lot of people are thinking Steelers, Steelers, Steelers. Um, and the, the run D for the 49ers is a concern. But um, if the Niners run D shows up, I feel good about their chances to not just win, but to maybe win big.
0: You know, that run defense that we saw in the preseason, they just got gashed up the middle. They got gashed on all read option zone option plays. And and like that, that's I don't even know if we we have anything to evaluate because these snaps were happening without Bosa, without Armstead, without Hargrave. And I think that trying to tell you about what the defensive line is going to look like until you see those three guys, four guys playing together, you, you, you have no idea.
1: Yeah, well, that's true. Um, you know, there's a lot of unknowns going into week one. And so, you know, it always makes it a little dicey, but, um, you know, I feel good about the 49ers chances. They started slow last year. I think they're really eager to start fast. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, the 49er defensive front. Can they put heat on picket? Can they stop the run? I mean, if they can't do either, it's going to be a long day.
0: Special teams. Is it about to haunt the 49ers through another regular season, basically? I mean, to me, uh, it, it, the preseason has shown that they lack um, a strong kickoff game, kick return game, punt return game. They lack kicker health. They lack uh, a punter who has looked good so far. I mean, I got wishnowski has got a lot of house credit. I think he's going to get right. But special teams, you know, <laughs> once again under Kyle Shanahan, seems to be stepping into a year with a massive question mark around it. Well,
1: there is. I mean, you know, who's going to be the kicker? Is it Jake Moody? Is it going to be a veteran? Is it going to be a veteran fill-in like Tristan Visciano? Are they going to put Moody on the IR set to return? Mitch Wisnowski hurt his back punting. Um, he's What's Robbie
0: ter- one for like two, three weeks of work,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but Mitch Wishnowski's had a bad preseason. Uh, Deshaun Jameson was a nice return man, but he left now to Carolina. He got claimed off waivers. This morning, so you know, I mean, Ronnie Bell's a decent return guy, but they don't have Ray Ray McLeod. Um, you know, it, it it they're very much uh, a work in progress. I mean, Brian Schneider is a good special team coordinator, but I think it's hundred. I think it's safe to say they're not a
0: hundred percent and on special teams coming into the year. Another guy that they don't have, uh, Deshaun Jameson, who you were high on in this preseason, just got claimed off waivers by the Carolina Panthers. So that's another name not in the mix As we're starting to watch the... 53-man coming to focus, Larry. Any cut that really surprised you? I saw that uh, Marcelino McCreary-Ball didn't make the team. I know but both you and I were high on him, having a lot of opportunity this year. Maybe he comes back and joins this team uh, as part of their practice squad if he indeed does clear waivers. I've seen three names already claimed from the 49ers, which means... the the NFL is interested in the Niners leftovers. And there were certainly a lot of years where you and I were doing pre and post where the 49ers would get to cut down day. They would cut those guys and those guys would never play football again. So there I guess is a, a feather in, in, in Shanahan's cap as he seems to be plucked of some of his, GMing feathers these days.
1: Yeah, I don't love what they've done on the offensive or defensive line. I mean, on the offensive line, they kept four backups, John Feliciano, Matt Pryor, Jalen Moore, and Nick Sakel. And I don't know that any of them are all that good. And to me, they're better guys that were cut in other camps. Um, So they went heavy on the offensive line, which was kind of baffling because usually your starters are the only ones that play. And then they went real light on the defensive line, which is even more baffling because last year, you know, Ebukama, Menehue, and Willis uh, averaged 91 snaps in their three playoff games. And they're literally going into – if Bosa is not signed, right now their defensive ends are Drake Jackson, uh, Cleveland Farrell, and that's it. Robert Beal, Jr., but he's been hurt all summer. With a hamstring. So they're remarkably thin at defensive end. And I, I got to think that they will rectify that in the next 24 hours. Did Kerry Hyder get cut? Yes. Did. How that? Why? Well, he was looking very old this summer. I mean, you know, he's lost a lot of his explosion. So he's not the same player. Austin Bryant got cut as well, who was brought in from Detroit. You kind of Um,
0: called that one. You weren't happy with the size. I mean, I remember the first day you and I were out at training camp. You're like, he's looking small.
1: Well, his legs are so skinny. He doesn't play the run. I mean, you know, but he might be signed to the practice squad. Jordan Willis, by the way, got cut by the Raiders. I expect the Niners to try to get him back. Um, There was a bunch of defensive ends. The Bears cut Travis Gibson. Um, Tampa cut Jose Ramirez. Dallas cut Tyrus Wheat and Ben Banagu. so there's a bunch of guys out there who you know Chase Winovich got cut by the by uh, Houston, Allie Gay got cut by Houston. There's a bunch of of defensive ends that are better than what they have that were cut, and now it's just a matter of how many of them how many of them will they pick up. Uh, they probably need to put a couple on the active roster, and they probably need to add a couple to the to the um, you know practice squad as well. So I would imagine you're going to see the
0: 49ers add two or three defensive ends in the next couple of days. What is the most surprising? By the way, first of all, Nancy Adams saying the two greatest sports talk authorities in the Bay. So we got one fan, Larry. There we go. <laughs> Nancy's on board. Thank you, Nancy. Um, a lot of love coming in all over the text line. Thank you very, very much. I'd get distracted and I'd waste Larry's time giving us pats on the back. If I read them all, but thank you. Hit that like button, uh, subscribe to Larry's page. I don't need to tell anyone to do that. People are doing that in mass. Go ahead. Give us a little subscription too. And you won't miss a thing that he and I are doing together all football season long. Uh, what is the most surprising cut as far as you're concerned? um, I would say Deshaun
1: Jameson, who, you know, I mean, to me, you don't cut good corners, especially when they can also, you know, double as dynamic return men, but they chose Isaiah Oliver over Deshaun Jameson. um, And I think it was a mistake.
0: Um, When it comes to Kyle Shanahan, we're, we're going into year seven now. It's amazing. Six seasons with Kyle already under his belt. Going into year seven with Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, it's not the permanent letter grade. There are several years of Kyle still on the horizon. He is not in jeopardy of losing a job, uh, even though some people want to try to speak that into existence. The 49ers are incredibly happy with the job that Kyle has done And that is really, you know, Kyle's got an audience of one. He needs to please Jed York. As long as Jed York is happy with the job that he's doing, he has an awful lot of job security. But, Larry, if you had to give him a fair and honest letter grade, what letter grade would you give Kyle heading into year seven? B-plus. I mean, I I would say it's, you
1: know, a solid – a solid. I mean, they've been in three of the last four NFC Championship games. Um, so, and they've done it without top-tier quarterbacks, uh, for the most part. So, I mean, I'm I'm impressed by that. But then, the fact of the matter is, they've they've bungled a bunch of draft picks at the top of the draft. And if they hadn't. They probably would have won a championship by now. But I, to me, you have to judge them against the rest of the league. You can't just judge them against – you can't just pretend that it's them, Kansas City, and Philly, and everybody else is, is not, not in the league. The rest of those teams are in the league, and the Niners are better than all of them. So I, I would say um, a solid B+. plus.
0: I set the over at uh, 11 wins this year. Over, under, or push? Um – I'll say push. I think that's, I I, I think they're 11 and six. Yeah. I don't think they're. I don't think there's a 12 win team in this league. I I, I just feel like this is a season where the NFL is going to cannibalize itself. I really do. I, 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 we've been trending towards that. The emergence of truly great football teams is harder and harder to find. And really we're thankfully watching, a level of incompetence sort of being swept away from the NFL. Uh, now, what could possibly, Larry, push the 49ers into a 12-win territory where now you're, you're really in position to host the NFC title game, and that's got to be on the, the chalkboard in Kyle's office list of goals for this year, host the NFC title game. If we have the Arizona Cardinals in full tank mode because they just cut Colt McCoy. They got very little faith in in Kyler Murray. So if they are in the Caleb Williams come home sweepstakes, uh, and then the Los Angeles Rams maybe even find themselves in that situation. My God, we saw what uh, Matthew Stafford's wife is talking about, how, yeah, Matthew's like a fish out of water now in this very young locker room. He did the, no, no one makes eye contact with my husband. They all look at their cell phones. I saw that on, on the Internet, which, is, again, I hate saying that. But, Larry, I saw that on the Internet. Uh, what if I told you that the best path the 49ers had to getting to 12 wins is because two teams in their divisions – might be among the two worst teams in football this year. It, the NFC West goes from, hey, everybody, this division is stacked to it's the Niners, maybe the Seahawks, eh, probably not the Rams, and definitely not the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I think the Niners are going to sweep the division
1: 6-0. I really do. I think Arizona's bad. The Rams are playing for future years. They got cap problems. They're thin. Um, Seattle's 26th against the run. 26th and i bobby wagner doesn't mean at this point doesn't make that kind of he doesn't eat up that kind of difference so niners are going to go six and zero in
0: the division i really think so well that would be a really good piece of uh, news if it if you could just mail that to the 49ers right now they would love to get that letter you're six and zero in division so now you just got to go handle your business everywhere else that could get them to 12 wins but I'm just – Arizona, even when Arizona sucks, they always bite them once, don't they? I don't know how they do it, but they do.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they always play the Niners tough uh, for the most part. But, yeah, I, Arizona, the Rams, Seattle, to me, those teams don't look like they're in the, in the Niners league at all.
0: Here's a question that is kind of along the lines – oh, no, I, I, I highlighted the wrong question. It was along the lines of what I was going to ask you next, Larry. This is from uh, Eldito Solario Espinoza. Uh, and I have not seen that name before. So welcome. Hello. Please subscribe. Uh, how quick is the blame game going to happen if the 49ers start slow because of that D-line? Well, I, I think it's it's certainly out there, but it won't be nearly as loud as if Brock Purdy has a bad game in Pittsburgh. If Brock Purdy has a bad game or showing in Pittsburgh, uh, you're going to have people headbutting the panic button after four quarters of football. There's no doubt about it. Well, it's just the nature of the game of fans, right? I mean, um,
1: <clears throat> that's going to – the Niners have a tough uh, tough first three games, really. I mean, they yeah. play Pittsburgh on the road where they're really tough in week one um, and they're coming off a strong preseason. The Rams are really thin, but playing them on the road in L.A. in week two, they'll be at full strength, so that will be a tough game. And then the New York Giants are one of the better teams in the conference as well, and that's going to be a short-week turnaround at Levi's. It will be at home, but those are three tough games. And then Dallas in Week 5, um, you know, I mean, they the Niners are going to have to, you know, they always start slow, but this year they're not going to be afforded that luxury. So I think the schedule uh, challenges them greatly
0: off the start, but I think they'll be up to it. I think they're going to be a really good football team. How good? Good enough to win the Super Bowl? we got a long way to go before we even get to ask that question, much less get the answer to that question. But I will say, Larry, this is is a massive, not just one, but two years for the Shanahan era. Like, it either goes forward over the next two years, for the next five, six, seven years, or the next two years will be the beginning of the end of the Kyle Shanahan era because – the price of poker right now is reach and win the Super Bowl. I mean that that's a big ask. It's a big ask for anyone, any team. I I've been saying, you know, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they might have the best team in football. Even with the best team in football, best quarterback, best coach, winning a Super Bowl isn't easy. It's never easy. The 49ers need to win the Super Bowl under the formula that they have right now with such an inexpensive quarterback room and money spent everywhere else. And if they don't do it in the next two years, they have to flip the entire roster, basically, and start over with a new formula. So. The pressure is real. There might not be you're about to lose your job level pressure on Kyle Shanahan, but just the pressure that he puts on himself. I mean, he is aged like a president, Larry. Go back and look at year one oh, no. Kyle Shanahan photos. He I mean, he he's grayer than I am right now.
1: It's a rough job, man. It's a it's a hundred-hour weeks, tons of stress. I think if if Kyle were really, really smart, he would take a step back after this year from personnel duties. And just just coach.
0: Just coach. What do you think? Because that's what Larry he's Kruger. best at. Let's, let's bring in Larry Kruger to run 49ers front office. At well,
1: least- I don't know about Larry Kruger, but I would definitely bring in um, a, a draft consultant. Uh, you know, I mean, why not? Scott McLuhan, uh, John Dorsey. You know, there's guys out there that have big time credentials that I think are worth uh, consulting with. And I, 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 I think they ought to examine their their drafting and, and their mistakes that they've made, and Kyle's an awesome coach. What are the odds that a guy who's such a great coach would also have a different, totally unique skill set in the ability to pick players? You know, that's... Th- these are two totally different skill sets, and um, it's rare that both guys, that one guy can do both, and it's not... He doesn't... You know, I, I don't think he's that guy. So um, Bill Walsh you know, was a great play caller and he was hit and miss in the draft. Um, for every Jimmy Johnson who's a great coach and a great drafter, there's a dozen guys who can't, you know, who can coach, you know, coach circles around anybody, but they're not great personnel guys. Bill Belichick is one of them.
0: Is there, we're going to end with a, uh, a question that'll really make everyone angry. Is there a walkaway price where you push back from the negotiating table with Nick Bosa. I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing the same thing happening in Washington and, and chase young has been a little bit more of an injury case, but you know, Washington kind of wants to get out of having to pay chase young premium edge defender. Price. Here's the deal. Like the $30 million threshold is basically reserved for quarterbacks and it, it we're entering the realm of okay, so running backs are officially underpaid. Are we beginning to overpay defensive ends? I I think so because now a three step
1: drop you can totally neutralize a top tier pass rush and just get the ball out quickly and basically render them almost borderline useless. So yeah, I don't know that there's a price that I that I could say okay, it's this number. Because the capsule so fluid and we're talking about guaranteed dollars versus you know base pay and so on and so forth. But I and also I don't have all the information. It's like I don't know what's out there in a trade. You know, if you told me the dolphins were sitting right there and they're saying, here's Jalen Phillips, Christian Wilkins, and a number one pick, I don't know. I might I might be willing to take that. Um, you know, if um, you know, and who knows? I, I don't know what's out there. Maybe there's nothing close to any good, a- attractive trades out there, um, but there's always got to be some walkaway number. I just don't know what it is. I- I'd say, you know, probably 110 million guaranteed. Anything more than that is probably like Nick. Come on, seriously.
0: Uh, you watched a little Giants baseball last night? Were you sitting on the edge of your seat watching? I that? did. You I, jinxed no-no? I jinxed it. No, I jinxed it. I said, oh look, they got a no hitter. God damn it, Larry.
1: Yeah, I jinxed it.
0: It's your fault. I'll tell you when I really thought it was going to happen. I thought it was going to happen when Slater made that catch and that was that 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 catch is a plus plus. That was maybe the that catch was better than the Gregor Blanco catch. That's how incredible that catch was almost from Austin Slater last night. And every no-hitter, perfect game, flirtation with historic greatness needs a defensive play like that to happen. I'm like, oh, my God, they just got the signature defensive play of the game to happen. And then when Cobb comes back out for the ninth inning and he is one pitch, one out, I'm thinking, oh, it's set up now. It's really going to happen. Oh, dude, losing a no-hitter with – Two outs in the eighth inning. That stings. That stings. And, and look, he handled it great. He had, you know, he's he's got enough uh, experience in this game to know that that was a very, very special night. What would you think of the the Kapler leaving him out there to dust off the game and finish? I figured, all right, well, he gave up the hit, and he's given up the shutout. So they're definitely going to go get him. But they let him finish the game. That's like an, a new way of thinking for this regime, for goodness yeah, sake.
1: Yeah, I liked it. Um, you know, it's funny. It's the second time. I've seen the Reds end a giant no hitter with two outs in the ninth inning. It happened in a game that I was at uh, where Scott Gereltz had a no hitter Damon from eight eight and two thirds, and I forget if it was Paul O'Neill I'm or Barry Larkin.
0: Break that up. I mean, that's all. That's going back.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was eighty nine. It was eighty nine. Scott Gereltz, uh, I was there. Uh, Garrels had one out away from a no no and. I think it was either O'Neill or Roberto Kelly or or uh or Barry Larkin. One of those three guys I
0: think broke it up. Well, dude. Uh, nothing breaking us up. It's great to have you back here, Larry, as always. It had been a while, and an awful lot had happened since we had touched base. I want to let everyone know Larry and I are going to be touching base much more often. He'll be appearing on my channel more often throughout the week because mornings are good for him. When I can appear with him at night on his channel, that'll certainly happen as well. Um, It is always great to talk to you, Krug. You are among the best in the world at what you do, and when it comes to covering the 49ers, there's no other voice that I have more respect for than yours. So thank you for lending it to this channel. Again, thank you for bringing in a whole bunch of your subscribers along the way. And because we are good to our sponsors, why don't you tell everyone where we're going to lunch on Friday? We're going to hit pig and a pickle. We'll
1: be there in Emeryville um, probably early afternoon. Stop by and say hello. We could do like a mini meet and greet. Join us in Emeryville at pig and a pickle for a little uh, little lunch, and I appreciate you, bro, and, uh, and we'll do this quite a bit this year.
0: There he is, the one and only Larry Kruger. Larry, thank you so very much, man. You take care, stay hydrated, stay cool in the awfully hot East Bay. Off, on my way to practice to hear uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan speak this afternoon. All right. I'm sure you got a lot of good video, a lot of instant reaction. Babe, by the way, I can't help but notice everyone who puts instant reaction on their videos gets a lot of view. I think I'm just going to label every video from now on instant reaction, whether that, or I'm instant reaction or, or not. That or breaking. 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 Breaking, breaking news. Instantly (laughs) reacting to breaking news. (laughs) Yes. yes. Imagine that. Imagine the views that would get you're the best, Larry. Thank you. Later, man. (laughs) There he is. Larry Kruger, the one, the only. That's my guy. Great to have him on. And I know how much you all appreciate Larry coming on, too, because product knowledge is key and experience is key. And the difference between knowing what you're looking at or just reacting. Is called experience. And that's what Larry and I bring to the conversation. I hope you too enjoyed that. We'll have much more with Larry throughout the year. Uh, this is uh, Chris. Chris Bean says, uh, Damon and Larry, are you guys going to collaborate on all of our Bay Area teams? Would be very, very cool. Larry and I will be collaborating on a lot of things. Obviously, nothing moves the needle more than football once football starts. But, yeah, once we get to Warriors season, Larry's a basketball junkie like me too, and we're going to be all over that. How about this? The single best sports talk show in the Bay Area is Damon and Larry talking about anything. I feel comfortable saying that. I hope you feel good about hearing it. I know Larry would endorse that. The show you never got from either KNBR or 95.7 The Game the show you've always wanted is the show that you're going to get right here. I'm looking forward to having a hell hell of a year covering Bay area sports with my man, Larry and, and look, you know, uh, my man, Ray Ratto, actually you could feel Ray in his defector column today. Uh, he, he, he got a little baseball romantic and leave it to Ray to be the least romantic about sports guy you're ever going to see. Um, just to kind of, wrap up what the Giants are looking at here since we talked so much 49ers already with Larry we got a twelve forty-five start this afternoon for Logan Webb the Giants are looking to sweep the Reds Hunter Green will try to be the man that prevents that from happening for Cincinnati but last night Alex Cobbs near no hitter it was special man and what does the analytical sabermetric crowd do more often than it feels like they even produce winning formulas. They remove romance. They remove drama. They remove an element of human interest from the game. And last night, the reason why Giants fans were so enamored with that game, well, number one, it's a no-hitter bid, so you know that's always exciting, but there was an element of humanity Attached to what Alex Cobb was trying to do. And Ray, <laughs> Ray in the defector today wrote a couple things. I just want to share it with you real quick. Again, Alex Cobb uh, was had, had his no-hitter spoiled with one out to go on his 125th pitch of the night. I thought for sure that they were going to instantly bring in someone to finish off that game. They didn't. They didn't. They let him finish it. Which I just thought was cool. As a matter of fact, as Ray points out, they didn't even get anybody up in the bullpen. Ray in The Defector wrote, Kapler committed to Cobb's best start ever by not even getting anyone up in the bullpen, a blasphemous act of faith that surely would never have been contemplated. Had a third inning one hopper that was ruled uh, not a hit and changed into an error by an official scorer uh, on Casey Schmidt or had Austin Slater not made that diving catch in short left center in the eighth inning without those two potentially historical prompts. Cobb would have been, on the hook after eight innings, as the holy book of probability teaches, given that he was protecting a 6-0 Giants lead, and given the team's thin starting rotation, they would have needed as fresh a possible starter for the stretch run. But Cobb's outing was only the fourth 130th pitch start in the major leagues since 2018. That's incredible. Only uh, the fourth 130-pitch start in the Major League since 2018. If stories are to be fabricated from a happy ending for this mostly blah-on-toast team, it might start Tuesday night when Gabe Kapler invested in Alex Cobb's heart just as much as baseball season uh, gets semi-serious. Uh, maybe it's because the Giants have used fewer pitches, pitchers than any other team. Um, just 20 when you scratch out position players. So maybe Kepler thought maybe the bullpen needed an off day. Well, let me tell you. Alex Cobb gave the bullpen an off day yesterday. Logan Webb hopefully goes deep, gets that bullpen to rest again today. You saw Kyle Harrison have an incredible home debut earlier this week on Monday night where he struck out 11. And all of a sudden, Giants sweep the Reds today. Momentum has officially moved back into the Giants' clubhouse. Momentum that they have certainly lost playing better competition over an important 18-game stretch. So Uncle Mo could be back in San Francisco which will make a team that still has a better than missing the playoffs chance of making the playoffs a little more interesting down the stretch. And that's all you can hope for as a baseball fan. Let's see what the Giants do. Let's see what the Giants do. Uh, We have somebody here a little earlier in the show when I asked Larry to give Kyle Shanahan a letter grade. Uh, Dominator 49 er says F minus for the wasted draft picks. There is a group of fans out there who care more about draft picks than NFC championship game appearances. And you're all the biggest batch of broke ass, no nothing, just lucky to be here. Sports fans. I have ever met. <laughs> Seriously, man. It's a good thing. Larry and I are here to spread the gospel of football. Because there are an awful lot of heretics who are trying to spread their gospel of bullshit. Keep it here. Keep it locked on Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger. You will become a smarter sports fan. I promise you. Hmm. Almost all out of coffee here. Almost all out of coffee. A uh, couple of other things before we hop into club plus today that I wanted to get to. Um, Speaking of Levi's Stadium, Beyonce is at Levi's tonight. So be careful if you're driving around the South Bay a little bit later on. Beyonce traffic is coming for you this Wednesday night. It feels like Beyonce is, you know, used to be that's like the biggest tour of the summer. She, It, it feels like the side act, the side stage at Lollapalooza compared to what Taylor Swift is out there doing. So I'm sure Beyonce is going to have a huge crowd tonight, but watch her get off stage right when that curfew hits. She's not paying for that extra that extra song or two. Taylor's over there printing a billion dollars. So she's like, yeah, I'm going to go late. So Beyonce is a coming. Maybe there'll be a Jay-Z sighting in the Bay Area before it's all said and done. I saw Joe Pimplano, who I think is one of the more interesting guys to follow on Twitter. I subscribed to his Substack newsletter as well. He was talking about how nearly 40,000 fans traveled from the United States to Dublin for last Saturday's Notre Dame game against Navy, 32,000 of the 40 who traveled over there were there for Notre Dame. It represents the largest number of Americans traveling internationally for a single sporting event ever. So I guess that, you know, it I doesn't include a World Cup or an Olympics because that's not a singular sporting event it is a tournament that goes on for a long time Um, so i don't think that's being counted into this but that still shows you the power of notre dame and how much anyone who is associated with notre dame loves to also because remember this this is very important to know most people who love notre dame have never set foot on campus couldn't get into notre dame they just like being really really notre damey and irish And they want to go back to Ireland. They want to pretend that they went to Notre Dame and they want to visit the motherland in Ireland. So that's what happened right there. You got a whole bunch of people saying, let's go drink some Guinness. That's what really happened. We will have more to talk about as college football approaches, but I thought that that was a really interesting stat that I wanted to share with you. And uh, I want to thank Larry Krueger for coming on by and uh, spending some time talking about where the 49ers are as they get ready to step into Kyle Shanahan's seventh season as their head coach and general manager. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. If that's where you are listening to the show, it was great having you here. We're about to slip into club plus over on youtube but if you are listening to the podcast thank you so much for doing so and please do remember that sports don't build character they reveal it and like that he's gone i forgot to put in the, the breeze and like that he's gone there you go that feels better